Fa la 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 la. Holiday greetings. Discover a life-giving local church where you'll find the community and support you've been looking for. At Echo, we hope you'll find your place, your people, and your purpose. Experiencing a true sense of belonging while building friendships and finding support. We believe this is what we're all seeking and we can't wait to share it with you. That's right. And join us for our services at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 a.m. or 10.45 a.m. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. Are you grateful for God and his transformative work through Echo Church? If so, let's turn our gratitude into giving, creating a powerful force for good. Your contributions fuel the flames of God's incredible work among us. We invite you to consider making a financial donation before the year's end. As it says in 2 Corinthians 9-7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God's love, or God loves a cheerful giver. He does. He does. For those who wish to partner with us financially to impact Rochester, you have two convenient giving options today. That's right. First, visit our website where you can set up an automatic reoccurring donation, allowing us to plan boldly and confidently for the future. Second, you can e easily Venmo your contribution to We Are The Echo Church. That's right. And we appreciate your kind and thoughtful investments. Enjoy Echo Online. Adios.
just, I got to take a moment here and just have a little bit of a family talk here. If you are a guest with us, uh, this is not directed towards you. It's those who call Echo Church home. Anybody excited about calling Echo Church your home, by the way? Good. Good. So you're like, you got to talk to us? Yeah, I got to talk to you. No. <laughs> hey, it's December. I don't know if you know. It isn't any, does anybody agree with me that it's crazy that it's December already? Um, so let me talk a little bit about kind of uh, a little bit about uh, church, uh, uh, normal church kind of rhythms and, and the unique nature of how church is. Uh, every December, uh, for whatever reason, uh, our giving almost doubles just in one month uh, from month to month. And uh, I just wanted to remind you, it's December, y'all. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and I only bring that up because um, you know last year you guys just showed up and you made some phenomenal investments to Echo Church and what's so cool is is this is is really uh, with the help of the the board and uh, and 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 just the leadership here uh, we've been we've we've always been able to navigate through year upon year and be able to kind of leave December as a margin year, or a margin month, I call it. I don't know if you know this, but the way that the budget is operated here is really simply told with three different percentages. Number one is 35% of what comes into Echo uh, helps pay for salary and uh, you know what we pay our pastors and anybody else that kind of helps us along the way, 35%. Now, just to let you know, that is extremely low in comparison to the national in comparison to the national average. Okay, so we do that, we do that intentionally. That's how we do it because guess what? We don't believe that the church works by just people hired, but there's a beauty of everybody getting together and to provide something. And that's what we are so proud of Echo Church. So many of you have said, you know what, use me, use my gifts, and you do that every week. And so will you honor yourself for helping that? So thank you for being a part of that. Um the second percentage is 35% for facility. Now, we're a portable church, so we are drastically under that. Everybody say hallelujah. <laughs> we are drastically under that. Uh, although what we've been doing is try to save that like marginal aspect and put it in the bank so then we can make a move hopefully soon. And then lastly, it's 30% missions and Ministry, and we had the joy of uh, hosting Dan and Holly uh, Fifield, uh, the the leaders of the landing, the founders of the landing, and they were here last hour, just kind of celebrating with us. And we're just uh, that is an organization that we get behind. And so I want to tell you those things because I want to remind you that this month is every December is a an important month to encourage you to, to just simply ask a question. God, what could I give this month in order to propel the vision of Echo Church forward faster? And so uh, that's one aspect that I'd like for you to pray about. The second is this, okay? Many of you know this because I mentioned just a couple of weeks ago that we've been in discussion with some individuals uh, about a potential opportunity for a permanent home. Come on, someone say amen. Now... We're still having those discussions, and that's, it's not any, that's actually not unique at all. It's just kind of how it goes. Uh, but what I've learned through the process is it's going to take more than we originally thought, and it's going to take more people to help us get there. And so for 2024, I'd like to really ask you this. Would you seriously consider giving above and beyond what you traditionally do so we can get to where we want to go faster? And this is the way my simple mind breaks it down. If we would all just give something, I believe we could get there with a lot of ease. Okay, and like right now, I'm having these discussions in faith, but what I'm hoping is like I'm eventually stepping into a world where we're actually talking about it financially. That's <laughs> something we could truly afford because you guys believe in what God is doing. How many of you are thankful for what God is doing in and through Echo Church? Yeah. I'm excited too. I get to see what God's doing firsthand. And, and honestly, I think our, 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 our honest 
first reaction and response should be generosity and say, God, we are so thankful. And because we're thankful, we're willing to invest in what you're doing already. And God is doing something awesome. I would say it like this. God, God has really started a really cool fire that's been burning. And what happens is when people become more generous to a church, what you do is you fuel it. You fuel that fire to be a lot more powerful and a lot more effective. And guess what? When we were singing that, that song today, uh, the, the, the God of Revival, and it says, let's take the city. That's exactly what I was praying is, God, let us be a church that is effective and are sharing the love of Christ in Rochester because it needs it. So anyway, real quick, let's just pray. Jesus, I just pray. God, I'm just being obedient with you, what you've called me to do. God, this isn't uh, something that, that really benefits me. It be benefits your kingdom. And so I just pray, God, if, if people are here and this is their church home, that God, that you would speak to them. That God, that you would stretch them, really, financially. That, 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 you, would, that, you, would, that you would maybe ask people to risk it a little bit financially and, and just to test and see that you are good even in their finances. And yet, God, I just, on some other people, God, maybe it's just about reason. What is the margin that they have in their budget and what could they give to the church? And I just pray that we wouldn't be a church that only some of us give something, but that we all do. And we do it on a regular basis, knowing that it's the little investments the over time that make the biggest impact. And so God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Okay, now let me ask you this. Are you glad you came to Echo Church? <laughs> Let me read you a story, okay? In, in July 1945, in July 1945, after delivering parts of the first atomic bomb, the USS Indianapolis faced a grim fate. Torpedoed by a Japanese submarine, she sank within 12 minutes, which took 300 of the crew down immediately, uh, leaving the remaining crew adrift in the Philippine Sea. For four days, about 800 survivors battled dehydration, exposure, and shark attacks. All along, uh, all along, this was completely unknown to the U.S. Navy because of a communication failure. This is our worst nightmare. That was their worst nightmare. And, and at the same time, what I want to tell you today, that this is our story. This is our story. Somewhere along the way, we were navigating, and then all of a sudden, we were shipwrecked. And we were, we, we were and we are in need of a rescue. That is what the Christian faith is all about. That is what Jesus is all about. That's what Jesus' work was all about, was in essence to paint this simple picture that somewhere along the way, we were shipwrecked. Uh, let's go, go with this analogy just for a moment. Just imagine we went out to sea and unfortunately, somehow in, in unfortunate circumstances, man, we were brought down into the water and we're just here to, to, to get into survival mode, okay? And as survival mode, somewhere along the way, and so, some way uh, somewhere, uh, God showed up. And in it's Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, thank God for this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Everybody say rescued. From the dominion of darkness brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sin. We are all adrift. We are all in survival mode. And thank God that Jesus created and made a rescue happen. And what we are doing right now is a part of the redemption nature of God. Thank God for his rescue. That as we were adrift, he came with a lifeboat. And we reached our hands out and he reached his hand out and he pulled us to that lifeboat and drove us to shore so that we might be redeemed, that we might be refined, that we might be restored. But let's be honest. If we just pause and we think about the shipwreck, we, we think about all the bad things that have happened in our life, think about all the disappointments that we have experienced, we would all agree that the shipwreck sucks. 
<laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's not great. It's, it's a really a horrible thing. In fact, the shipwreck, and it really messes with us. And, and yet, we understand this simple concept that really shipwreck has a propensity and this ability to wreck us. Uh, has anybody ever gone out on a cheap kayak and flipped it on the, uh, in the middle of the lake? I have. Don't do it. It's no fun. It's no fun. It's good luck flipping it back and getting the water out and, and getting back in it. I mean, that might be the biggest problem. That is the story of our life and our faith. And what I want to tell you is this is spiritually, I want to inspire you not to let the shipwreck sink you, but may it send you forward clinging to Jesus. The shipwreck will shake you, but it doesn't have to break you. And don't let the shipwreck define you. Let it allow, uh, allow God to, 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 to utilize your disappointment, to, to, to utilize your mistakes, to utilize your shipwreck to begin to refine you. For he has rescued us and he desires to redeem and refine you. That's the good news, that God has come to rescue us. But when we are rescued and when he's in the process of restoring you, uh, what happens is we remember the shipwreck. We, we remember the disappointments. We remember our mistakes. It's at, at these moments that life's biggest questions really challenge whether God is even good. And I want to talk about that a little bit because when we're in those stressful moments or, 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 or maybe after a rescue, God, like something happens in our life and it's not the way that we thought it, then all of a sudden, man, we start asking those questions like, why God? How can you be a good God when bad things are happening to me and to those who are around me and who I care for? We start asking the question, God, when are you going to redeem all those bad things to become a good thing in my life? When are you going to renew it? When, when will I see breakthrough? We start asking the question, God, do you even care? And we even ask, God, are you even present? present? Are, we, are you even present? And, and with all this in mind, I, I want to tell you that I want to make a really small but yet profound change in the prayer that we're talking about today. And in fact, I want to make two small changes. But in this first change, it literally is this one common word that we use over and over. And so in order to understand what, we're, what I'm talking about, let me, let me remind you. At the beginning of the prayer, it says, Jesus, I surrender. You remember how that goes, right? Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions, but. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, but. B-U-T. I choose to follow you anyway. Recently, I was having a conversation with a friend, and, and he, he was telling me the implication of the difference, really psychologically, using the word but versus and, and it intrigued me uh, so much that, 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 that we had that discussion uh, about maybe making the change uh, in this portion of the scripture to reflect maybe what we're really trying to accomplish within that prayer. And so hear me out. I want you to know that when it comes to my faith and questions, I've, I've never been able to follow Jesus and eliminate faith's hardest questions. And I believe it would be best to make a subtle change from forgetting about the questions and, and changing it in this commitment to learn how to embrace difficulties while still choosing to follow Jesus at the same time. Therefore, this is what, I'm, I, what I, I want to change, okay? I would like to change the prayer to say something like this. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, and I choose to follow you anyway. Emphasizing this one idea, that with our surrender comes determination to follow. And quite honestly, it doesn't require us to shove our problems and our questions underneath the rug, but we can still, we get to choose to still navigate forward with Jesus leading us. That we don't, what I want to tell you is this, I don't want to be a faith community that fakes it. That's what, that's what, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's why I think it's worth making this change. 
is to, to change that small little word that, to, to better understand that with life's toughest questions, God makes a way for us to navigate with it moving forward instead of forgetting about it altogether. That's why I want to change it from B-U-T to A-N-D. That God, with your help, we can move forward. That this is not going to shipwreck our faith, but Lord, you're going to send us forward, leading us into dry ground. Now, for those that may not understand this fully, let me give you a little bit of example and actually a little bit of a challenge. What I want you to do is this. I want you to go home today and I, I, I want you to find your wife or a family member and I, or, or your husband, and I want you to go up to him and say, I love you, but... And see where that gets you. Now, for those of you who still don't understand it, here's another idea. How about this? You go buy your girlfriend, okay? Some flowers. And then you go up to her and say, I bought you some flowers, but let me know how that goes. Let me know how that goes for you. But they're too expensive. But but I really spent a lot of money. I mean, no, no, I love you and I will for my entire life. How many of you see the difference between the B-U-T and the A-N-D? Maybe I should get into rapping or something. (laughs) Second little change uh, to this prayer is is really uh, in the portion that I want to talk about today, and, and, and really it's theologically uh, based, and uh, it's simple, simply slipping into additional words. Uh, and let me show you where it is. Uh, today we're talking about the portion of the prayer where we say, I accept the rescue, save me, and lead me. What I want to do is I want to make the change to say something like this, I accept the rescue that you offer, save me, forgive me, and lead me. Let me explain it to you. The way I need to explain to you is, a lot, uh, is by telling you this, is these are four simple statements, yet there are four definitive declarations. These are four simple statements, but they are profound by nature. Let me help you understand what we're praying when we pray this together at the end of our time every Sunday. Number one, when we, when we pray and when, when we say, I accept the rescue, what I want you to see is this, is that God is seeking after you. I, I need you to see this. God leaves the 99 to go after the one. He's seeking you. That, that, that on top of that, rescue is available to all. Did you hear that? Rescue is available to all. The lifeboat is big enough for everybody. Jesus died for the payment of all sins. And therefore, when we pray, I accept the rescue, we need to see a God that is seeking to save the one. He is seeking to save you, and he's seeking to save everybody else. Luke 15, 4. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country to go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, what does he do? He joyfully puts it on his soldier, or soldier shoulder. That is what God is doing for you. He is seeking to save that which is lost. I accept the rescue. God, I understand that you are seeking after me. Some of you came to church today thinking that you're seeking after a God. Today is the realization that you're, yeah, you might be doing that, but guess what? God has been doing that for your whole entire life. And he's knocking at your door and he's saying, will you open it to me? The second simple statement, but yet definitive, definitive declaration is this, is save me. We must understand that we are unable to save ourselves. I am unable to save myself. I cannot do this life alone. I have been robbed and I have fallen short. The modern day philosopher and a popular 1990s voice said it over and over again in his sitcom. And he said it like this, I have fallen and I cannot get up. Stephen Urkel. 
Does this age anybody else in the room? Come on, somebody. <laughs> that is the story of our life. Ephesians 2.8 says it like this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. You know what a gift of God means? You cannot earn it. You can't work towards it. It's a gift. It is from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You cannot boast. You cannot earn it. You cannot save yourself. You have fallen, and you cannot get up. You need Jesus. That is what that statement means. How about the third one? And this is where we add this idea of forgiveness. Forgive me, in essence, is this definitive declaration that when we are saved, we understand that it clarifies our condition. Do y'all hear what I said there? It clarifies our condition. Forgiveness was not a prerequisite for salvation. Jesus saved you because it was a gift. And when we are saved, guess what? We get closer to Jesus. And when we get close to Jesus, we realize how holy he is and how unholy we are. Biblically, the concept is this, is, is I, me, okay, ultimately my mistakes, okay, my sins, my missing of the mark, ultimately separates me from the majestic. It's that, that I cannot stay with Jesus unless I realize what part I played in this whole grand story, that I have failed, that I have fallen, and I need God to pick me up. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's talk about sin just for a second. That's what we need forgiveness from. And, and sin, biblical, the biblical uh, term really means an archery term where when we shoot our bow and, and our arrow, we will always miss the mark. It doesn't matter how much we practice. It doesn't matter how much we care. It doesn't matter how, uh, how many day in or, or years in, years out. Like we will always miss the mark. Therefore, we need God to forgive me. It's back to the analogy of the being adrift at sea and needing a salvation. I think this is one of those moments where, where, where we're swimming and we see the lifeboat come up to us and God reaches his hand out and grabs ours. And as he's pulling it out, that's the very moment right then is when we hold on to our sin or we hold on to our methodology, we hold on to our ideas, we hold on to our ways, or we say, God, you know what, forgive me. My ways didn't work in the first place, so at this point, I'm gonna let go. Allowing God to pull you fully into salvation. That's why we need forgiveness. The fourth idea, definitive declaration, is lead me. When we pray, lead me, what we need to see is this. This is not the finish line. This is the starting blocks. Did you hear that? This isn't the finish line. This is the starting block. This is where we move forward. A shipwreck is not meant to sink us. It is to send us forward. So the question we must ask is this. Where do I go from here? I was once lost and now I'm found See, God loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you on the lifeboat boat. He wants to get you to shore. He cares so much for you. Romans 6, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness from freedom and a result. The result is this, is eternal life that God wants to birth within you, what I would call free froms, and he also wants you to lead you today into eternal life. That this isn't an idea for the time in the future, but eternal life starts today. 
For 20 years of full-time ministry, I've made an observation, and that observation is simply seen in a cycle when it comes to our faith. And it's simply said like this. We've all been robbed. We all need a rescue that God wants to restore us, and then he calls us to repeat that which has been done to us. But over 20 years, this is what I've realized, we all get stuck somewhere. And a lot of times we get stuck somewhere because of the shipwreck that we have never dealt with in the first place. Because we're not willing to navigate and and navigate forward with the life's toughest questions and the circumstances we've gone through or how people have disappointed us or how faith leaders have promised something but not actually lived up to the standard in which they had promised in the first place. A lot of times uh, we get stuck. And and for some of us, let me just make an example. We, we, We accept the rescue, like we've been robbed, we accept the rescue and we've been in that lifeboat. But the issue is this, is we truly never let go of the things that God wants us to let go. So what do we do? We jump back into the carnage. We jump back adrift in the sea. And unfortunately, I see that over and over with addiction with people. They're like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I love my addiction too. And I'm telling you, Jesus wants to free you from that. He has the power. He has the ability to bring freedom to you. Unfortunately, a lot of us get stuck at that point. But where I've seen the mass of followers of Jesus get stuck. I see it in this. I see it in the restoration process. Because guess what? The rescue is exciting. But the restoration process is daily. And quite honestly, it's not very fun. It's just not. Because God wants to refine you. He wants to renew you. And he wants to make you new. And I'm telling you, it, it just, it, it doesn't feel great all the time. And, and in order to understand that process, I want to talk to you about the life of Joseph. In the Old Testament, you'll find him. You'll, you'll, you'll find him, and, and, and a lot of times uh, in modern day context, we remember Joseph uh, with the simple term, um, the coat of many colors. He's the guy with the coat of many colors. Yeah, yeah that's Joseph. See, Joseph was his favorite uh, it was, was his dad's favorite. And, and because of that, he received that coat of many colors. And, and, and not only did he have favor that way, he had favor from God and God started giving him dreams. And, and, and unfortunate through his maturity, he was probably a little bit too loud about those dreams and which created envy and hatred and, and really dismay for him. And, and it ended up, his dad sends him to his brothers and his brothers want to kill him. And instead of killing him, he throws him into a pit and uh, then they start feeling really bad, and, and, and his life kind of gets worse. I mean, he, he could have died there. I guess that could have been worse. But he, he ends up being sold. And so he moves from the pit and then eventually becomes property. Now, I need you to hear this. A lot of us jump off the lifeboat. A lot of us jump on this metaphorical ship of safety to jump into the waters of the unknown because they promise a better life than we had on the ship. And maybe we sense there's more freedom and there's more fun. There's you know, more getting what we want. But ultimately what happens is we, if we jump in the pit and we stay in the pit too long, the thing that we think that we have control of all of a sudden has control of us. The things that we feel are property to us begin to own us. That's the scary part of being robbed is God knows that if we stay in that place too long, then guess what? We no longer own things, but things begin to own us. But when God brings us out, he brings us to rescue, and he did that with Joseph. And, and guess what? He, he may have become property, but then all of a sudden, he, he begins to prosper again. And he's in a home, and, and he's getting a lot of favor, and, 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 but, and, and it looks really good, and that was really exciting for him. I couldn't imagine going like, man, I've been redeemed, and this is really great. But then all of a sudden, life's shipwreck and disaster comes upon him again. And all of a sudden, he finds himself adrift, he be, and, and, and really, he finds himself back in prison. And I want to tell you that, that, that I think God's best restoration and refinement in one's life is actually in the down times and in the valley in the prison. In the prison. 
And that's where God began to restore him and refine him and really create, I believe, create in him uh, uh, maybe leadership qualities that he didn't have prior to. And God began to really do some things in him. And then eventually, as the story goes, there's a great famine in Egypt and and in and, and, and surrounding nations, which eventually brings his brothers to Egypt. And now he is back into prominence. So he... He's in prison. God brings him back to prominence. Uh, prominence. God's refining him. He's restoring. He's leading Joseph. And then all of a sudden, he meets his brothers. And I believe he's able to repeat the process that was done within him because God did work within him in the prison and also in prominence. And what ultimately Joseph was positioned to do was this, was to save a nation because he was willing to faithfully walk through the pit, faithfully walk through the prison, and be faithful within prominence. 1 Timothy 18 and 19 says, Timothy, my son, I give you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Look at your neighbor and say, fight the battle well. Now look at your neighbor and say this, do not give up on the cycle. Verse 19, holding on to faith and good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to faith. What I'm trying to do today is this, is encourage you to not give up on the work that God is doing in you. And my big idea is this, is persevere through prison and don't let prominence lead you astray. God's refining work is not done yet. Persevere through the pit. Don't give up. And when you get to prominence and prosperity and you get to your comfort zone, do not lose the focus of which God wants and the focus and, 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 and use your focus on God and what God is trying to do in and through you. Prison to prominence, like I said, is, is the place where God wants to restore you. He wants to be, bring refinement to you. In spiritual terms, it's called sanctification. In the metaphor, metaphorical way, I'd, I'd call it sanctification, sanctification at shore. See, sanctification is the process which God makes us functionally righteous. Okay, I talked about last week, justification is this instantaneous thing where God makes you his child, that he puts you in right standing and you have nothing to do with it. The unique characteristics of sanctification is this, is God does the work, but you actually have to play a part in it as well. And it's not instantaneous, but it's something that you do through a lifetime. Paul David Tripp says this, he says, when it comes to our sanctification, I need you to hear this word. Waiting is not about what we get at the end of the wait, but rather about what we become as we wait. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to our sanctification, waiting is not about what we get at the end of the wait, but rather about what we become as we wait. And what I'm trying to encourage you today is this, is don't fall off track. Don't be led astray. Don't lose focus because God wants to make things new. And he wants to do that with you daily. And it doesn't matter where you are in the cycle. cycle. God is there with you and God is doing his work. The question is this, are we willing to wait? Are we willing to stay? Are we willing to say, God, we trust what you bring our way and what you take away? Here we are. Refine us, restore us, rescue us but yet call us to repeat that which has been done in me. Which brings me back to the story, the USS, USS Indianapolis, their rescue on August 2nd, came luckily when the Lieutenant Wilbur Chuck Gwim spotted them during a patrol in which Lieutenant Adrian Marks was ordered to pilot a seaplane in response to see what 
was happening. And when he arrived, there was such a horrific scene. He defied orders and he landed on the sea, starting a a daring rescue operation, which eventually more ships followed. But the sad story is this is only 316 out of the 800 initial survivors rescued were rescued alive. Now, what I want to tell you is this. Is your rescue isn't just for you. Your rescue is so that God would repeat that rescue in you, that you would rescue someone by his hands. And I think some of us were like, but Andy, you just talked about like sanctification. God needs to do a work. He needs to restore me. He needs to refine me. I I need to become a little bit better before I do that. And I would say, no, that's not how it works. Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't even have to have you figure out all your theology correctly. He needs a willing person that's saying, I humble myself. I surrender to Jesus. I don't claim to be perfect. I'm willing to navigate with life's biggest questions and say, guess what? I'm still going to be faithful. And I'm going to tell people about Jesus, the hope of the world. How many are thankful that at some point and at some place, someone told you that Jesus saves that Jesus loves, that Jesus forgives, and that you could have a second chance in life. That's what he's calling Echo Church to be. He's calling us to be a church that understands the cycle of faith, but also a church that lives on purpose and with purpose. That yes, we were adrift at some point, but we were saved. We were put on a lifeboat. We, we were mended at shore, but God calls us back onto a lifeboat to repeat the process that has been done through us. So Jesus, here we are. We acknowledge that you rescued us, that we acknowledge, Lord, that you've been seeking after us, that you knocked on our door, God, that you have pursued us with all of your heart. And we say thank you. Lord, save us. We, we see your hand and we reach ours. Forgive us. Lord, we, we let go. We just let go, God. We let go. And we make that definitive declaration. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Lord, would you do your work in and through me for the rest of my life? God, I live today, but I look forward. I look forward to the day that we get to meet face to face. as you continue to do your work until the day of Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Echo Church, will you stand up? Every, every week we pray a prayer. This time we pray it differently. The significance of Anne, the significance of God forgiving us, me seeing that when I'm saved, there's a clarification that I need that saving. I need that forgiving. Church, let's pray this. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, and I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me, forgive me, and lead me. In Jesus' name, in his authority, amen. Soon.
I've been thinking about this idea all morning of the fact that we serve a God of the journey, not just a God of the destination. And let me tell you what I mean by that. If I live my whole high school life about graduation, I will tell you that graduation by itself will be disappointing. But the journey to get to, to graduation is kind of where the process is, the growth is, the highs and lows, the real life is lived. Or maybe it's if I live my life with the destination of marriage and marriage is going to be this thing that I'm looking forward to, or I help a lot of people that this is their goal, retirement, man, I can't wait till I get to retirement. And you're just living life for retirement. You know what you're missing out on? Today, the journey, the process, the idea of being rescued, being restored, and then getting back in there and trying to help draw new people in to see what God's doing. I'm just grateful that we serve a God of the journey. I'm grateful that he is with us in the process, and I'm grateful that he is encouraging us along the way. Now, Echo, one of the things we love to do is celebrate. So we'd love to celebrate those that said the prayer for the very first time today. 
So glad you're here. Actually, it's kind of all of us today, so that's cool. We'd also love to celebrate uh, anybody who came here for the very first time. We're so happy to see you. So glad you're here. 